Dead men tell no tales. Fifteen men loaded in man's chest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil had done for the rest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? The ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Black Pearl Show, a Pirates of the Caribbean Minute podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. You can't mix those up. I have to mix it up a little bit. I'm Scott Artis from scottartis.com. And I'm Heather Artis from blackpearlminute.com. Thanks for joining us for Minute 29 of Dead Man's Chest. You're welcome. Yeah, I'm still excited about it. As excited as I was earlier this week. Before you got me down, and I don't really remember what happened there. It was on the episode. You brought down my excitement level. I have no I don't clue what you're what talking about. That's, you barely remember today, let alone something that happened a few days ago. Can't be the rum. In the previous minute, the fine fatherly figure that he is, Governor Swan, tells his daughter Elizabeth that she has nothing to live for in Port Royal. <laughs> I don't think before he's deciding to throw her <laughs> on a ship to England with crew full of randy men. Nothing says, you're the apple of my eye, then take your daughter to work day, complete with an evil henchman who murders your captain friend. Ah, boys will be boys. Oh, and just like a distracted father, he manages to lose said daughter in the process. Well, there's nothing for her here anyways. Is it really the safest thing to throw your daughter on a ship with a bunch of... Well, sailors. he trusted this sailor. I assume the sailor, or the captain, I assume the captain had a place to kind of lock her up. Now you want to lock her up? Well, lock her up. It's probably safest there for her, even though Elizabeth can handle her own, I tell you. Minute 29 begins with Lord Cutler Beckett in his Port Royal office, discovering that the wooden box upon his desk has been opened and the letters of Mark Destin for Jack Sparrow and his signature are missing. Beckett realizes he has a visitor and says, No doubt you've discovered that loyalty is no longer the currency of the realm, as your father believes. The minute ends with Elizabeth Swan telling Beckett, It will do you no good. Beckett replies, Do explain. Elizabeth comes back, moving forward with a flintlock pointed at Beckett's chest. I have been to the Isla de Muerta. I have seen the treasure myself. The conversation takes a pause as Elizabeth's gun is now resting against his chest. Dot, dot, dot. Okay, dot, dot, dot. Thank you. There's no words that dot, dot, dotted it. The dot, dot, dot is for the words. She's pausing. And she's going to, oh, the next minute, the next minute is going to open up with juicy gossip. Okay, but juicy gossip, I don't know if it warrants a dot, dot, dot. Does Becky get tired of everyone assuming what he wants with the compass? (laughs) Damn it, why does everyone think I want the black pearl? Or the treasure on Isla de Muerta? Or a large puffy governor's wig? What the hell? (laughs) He's really, I can't believe he's not irritated with this. He's, I'm, I'm ready for everybody him to have assuming. a spasm or a temper tantrum. Why does everybody think I want the pearl or a treasure? Yeah. Seriously. Someone's been in Beckett's box, though. Ah! <laughs> and they're still what around. That? What kind of talk is that? This is a family-friendly show. <laughs> it says 
sacked. <laughs> Someone's been in Beckett's box. Someone's been <laughs> Oh, I can't even remember the tune of that. Someone's in the kitchen with those. Someone's in Beckett's box. Someone's in box I know. Okay, anyway. I mean, how can you blame Elizabeth, though? He just finished saying that loyalty is no longer the currency of the realm, but currency is the currency of the realm. I remember in the good old days when you had a loyal minion. <laughs> All you had to do was provide some protection, maybe some land to farm. Now everything has gotten complicated. Everyone expects a little gold in the hand, a few coins. Jeez, it's ridiculous. Money buys loyalty as long as you're the high bidder, I guess. Guess so. Once someone comes along with a better offer, not always, but often that loyalty shifts. Loyalty is in the hand of the one giving the biggest paycheck, I say. That's words to live by. I mean, I guess that resonates today. I imagine Beckett is saying that profits and companies are the driving force of the crown and countries. Yeah. The 18th century is so 21st century, isn't it? Yes, it is. So Terry and Ted come up. What? It's up and coming. The 18th century? Uh Uh-huh. 18th century is up and coming. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Kind of blowing my mind. I don't even know what to say about that. <laughs> but should Ted and Terry have come up with another word to use besides saying currency is the currency? Yeah, it was kind of weird, right? Maybe currency like cash cur- or gold I mean, he is said the it currency. quite well. Currency is the currency of the realm. Or does that mess up Elizabeth's That's, treasure comment? Eh, maybe. I don't know. His reaction is almost surely you jest. There are more valuable things that can be found with Jack's compass than just accusing me of wanting to find the Aztec gold. Yeah, he's got some interesting facial expressions here. Or lack of facial expressions. When he finds out somebody's been in his box, he doesn't even make a facial expression at all. He keeps his face the same. Ah, what kind of hell is this? I mean, seriously, what are, you, are you purposely trying to go down this road? I mean, he was surprisingly calm when that person was up in his box. I mean, it's like... <laughs> I said in his box. Found out somebody had been in his box. (laughs) Surprisingly calm. He didn't have any facial expression. It stayed the same. Right? And then he finds out something's missing out of his box. (laughs) What is this? You're making this difficult for me. I am. You're the one who's saying this pornography. It's wooden box. It's sitting on the table. Okay, say wooden box then. <laughs> Let's fix this somehow. So there's something stolen out of his wooden box. Thank you. And still no expression whatsoever. Just starts talking. His expression doesn't change until Elizabeth says, or else I would not still be here. And then it finally changes some. Just a tiny bit. Not when she pulls a gun on him. Not when he just stands there. His normal face. You yeah, know? but that's the beauty of this character. He has a stone face about him. He is all business and nothing phases this guy. Yeah. Because he he knows he has the upper hand. And we're going to talk about some of that. This guy, he's like the evil mastermind. He knows what's going on. And with all this stuff that's going on, it doesn't surprise him. He's probably been through this kind of stuff before. He knows how to play the game. He knows he kind of has the upper hand with the pardon, at least at this point. That has to have his signature and stuff. Yeah. So that's, I think, what's going on. I mean, he prides himself in being cool, calm, and collected, and that's how he operates. We saw that even with that the wedding. Yeah. He was acting that same way. This is how he gets by. This is how he's able to 
move all these chess pieces at once because he doesn't overreact, right? Yeah, you look at my notes. I didn't look at your notes. Trust me. If we wanted jambalaya on here, I'd look at your notes. But I'm starting to really wonder if Miss Swan is the main pirate in the film. Maybe the franchise. Is Elizabeth Swan the pirate, at least in this film? The main one. I'm not talking Jack Sparrow. I'm thinking Elizabeth Swan is the actual pirate in this film. Because she steals things from no, people? She's not the traditional pirate. She's not dressing the part all the time. Yeah. But she's the fierce one. Oh, yeah. Not fierce in a bad way, but strategic, brave, calculating, willing to stand up for what she believes is right, yeah. no matter the consequences. Yeah. She had the dreams of the pirates and became a pirate, I guess I should say, and continues to exercise her strength. I mean, that's what she does. She's a strong woman pirate on the good side. A good pirate. Yeah. I have, I guess, uh, spending time with Barbosa served Elizabeth well. What a strong young lady. And she's a real badass in this minute. Yeah, because she's the only one who's currently confronted Beckett. Yeah. Not just with words, but with force. A flintlock to his face and his chest. Like you said, she learned a lot from the Barbosa experience. Yeah. Barbosa, I dare say, is her mentor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's why I think that this whole thing is she so different. She studied Barbosa and... And she works well with Barbosa. Uh-huh. We see that, should I say, in an upcoming film. If I were to have known that there's an upcoming film, season three, y'all. Here's the big question, though. Okay, maybe it doesn't make sense for the plot, but what the hell? Let's just roll with this. We're talking Pirates of the Caribbean minute by minute, so making sense is not our strong suit anyways. Yeah. Would it be better for her if Elizabeth pulled the trigger? Should she have killed Beckett, not only giving herself some reprieve or a chance to escape, but walking away with signed letters of Mark and freeing up Will and Jack? They're not signed by him yet, though. I know, okay. I send you to the deep. God, you're such a technicality. She gets them signed. She gets them signed. Okay, they're signed now. Yeah, so okay. say, now, boom, she's, they're signed. Now that we got the technical portion out of the way. Instead of just letting Beckett go? Basically. If this is what would happen. I'm just wondering. We don't have to, why do you have to get into the details? Like, oh, then she lets him go. Then she walks out the door. That's what She goes down thinks. to the short carriage, right? No, we don't have to do that. Let's just look at it from this one standpoint in this minute because we're contained okay, to this try. minute. Yeah, it's really difficult for you. Send all your hate mail to Heather if, if you think I'm raging against her. Would it have been better for herself if she had pulled the trigger and killed Beckett? Even if, she didn't get, even if she didn't get the letters of Mark signed. She could have... Okay, let's just say this because I know you're going to get stuck on this because we're contained in this minute. She blows him away. Okay. She takes his ring in the wax and she sticks it on there. And then she forges his signature. Would that have been better for her and then also allow Will and Jack to be freed up? I mean, Jack is a real pirate anyway. So having a warrant out for his arrest is not going to change his life or affect it. There's always someone or some other country or whatever after him. He's a pirate. Right. Elizabeth and Will, though, on the other hand, this is the 18th century. It's easy to create a new name and an alias. Disappear in the Caribbean or hell. I mean, make their way to this new place I heard of. It's called the United States. That's it's up all. and coming. All kinds of opportunities in this land, I hear. <laughs> Happily ever after, right? I mean, shoot Beckett, find Will, escape to the States. And Jack, he continues doing what Jack does. Then Governor Swan steps in with a sweetheart deal for Mercer. Erasing the books and letting him fill the Beckett role or whatever. Mercer's definitely a man for hire anyways. Yeah, but... If she shot him, would she even be able to get out of there? Why not? Because Mercer's probably on the other side of the door, plus how many other guards? Uh, I don't know. She got in there okay. She probably climbed in through the window. But they'd hear the gunshot. She'd have to, like, suffocate him. 
So I guess I don't know if there were some guards hanging around or if it was possible for her to escape. I mean, maybe that would have made it impossible. Maybe she knew she couldn't get out of there. Yeah. There could be a lot of tight security. I don't know. I'm just wondering if that would have been the best move for her and her family and for Will just to do that. Possibly. But like you, like we don't know what's on the outside looking yeah. in. I mean, it's possible because the governor could have come back and taken things over. I mean, he's still the governor yeah. there. You know, he'd be in charge of things going on. So it's possible that that may have been a good move. Right. Especially if Mercer is the for hire, gun for hire kind of type that he might be. Governor could have taken him under his wing, even though the governor's not that kind of guy, though. Right. Will could have taken him under his wing. <laughs> Nobody would have taken him under his wing. But I do think that Elizabeth is really the, the main pirate here. This isn't a transition, even though it may seem like it, because it's still on what we're talking about here. The Beckett-Elizabeth interaction. Because if you didn't notice, the lighting here is spectacular. Even the acting. Kara and Tom really do an outstanding job with yeah. their repartee, that, this back and forth that they have. But the lighting is so striking to the mood as it goes from warm to cold. Really symbolic of their conversation. I'm going deep diving. That you are. Yeah, first we get the warm color set off by the lanterns and the candlelight. We're on the red side of the Kelvin temperature scale here, everybody. <laughs> Yellow, red glows, highlighting Beckett especially. Ah, Beckett. There's a warm glow about him. He's telling Elizabeth about the change in currency of the realm. Smug as usual. He knows the game and how to play it, basically. But when Elizabeth seizes control of the conversation, she has her flintlock on Beckett, you know? At his head? Yeah. Yeah. For, at his chest and his head. That warm feeling leaves. Now we have soft light in the blues. Colder tone. Beckett loses the upper hand. Elizabeth becomes a cold, calculating woman, putting it all on the line. An all-on-the-line pirate. Then you have this map in the background that adds to this colder feeling. Yeah. I really like the map in the background oh, of this yeah. whole conversation. Plus it gives Beckett something to look at at one point. But it serves as a reminder about what Beckett desires. It's not the treasure on Isla de Muerta. It's world domination. It's control of something else is yeah. the idea of it. Nobody understands Beckett. Yeah, exactly. Great use of lighting. I mean, plus only their faces are lit. The rest fall to shadows, just getting focus on their expressions, which yeah. is pretty cool. And that's what I think is interesting because it goes back, you know, it really has this play on it. And we're also going to see, possibly in the next minute... Spoiler! How this use of light goes from cold to warm to highlight who has the upper hand. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's interesting. Unfortunately, the way that the minute fell, we couldn't get the full picture of it. So it'll be something I'd probably revisit. Okay. Just so we can see that again. Awesome. But yeah, look for it. It is really an interesting play on the light and yeah. showing like one color represents Beckett, one color represents Elizabeth. Or you could see it as in terms of Beckett himself. He has the upper hand. He doesn't have the upper hand. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's not Elizabeth at all. It's just his situation. It's like calling out if you're getting close to something. I'm hot or I'm cold if you move further away. Right. That's what's going on here with this lighting in the conversation. So I have a question for you. Elizabeth's got the Heather's gun. famous question <laughs> introduction. Elizabeth's got the gun on Beckett. Now, Isn't I there a TV show that goes, question? I have no clue. And then, oh no, it's Dwight Schrute from The Office. Oh yeah, he says question. question. There See? you go. So you're Dwight over there. <laughs> Dwigget. Yes. Elizabeth the has the gun on Beckett. Beckett's, I, it kind of looks like Beckett's thinking about Elizabeth with this gun and trying to figure out if she's... A woman of the times and isn't going to even, doesn't even know how to work this thing. Or is she actually going to pull the trigger? What do you think? 
is he thinking that or do you what I think he thoughts do you have on wondering it? Wondering if this is a woman scorned. Mm. The wedding, yeah. all of that. And we're going to revisit a lot of this top or a lot of this wedding topic in the next minute, so I'm not going to get into a bunch of it right now. We'll have to save it. But I do believe he thinks that she would pull this trigger if necessary. Okay. You got to imagine he knows exactly what he's put her through, her father through, everybody. Will, this is not like, oh, we're all just one big happy family. We can find our you know way around this. We can work this out. Yeah. He knows that he's upset the entire apple cart here, this whole life that she's had. And it's never going to go back to what it was. Right. Because he's now in charge. You know, she's from the governor's family. They had control of the island and running the show. Now he's running the show. And he's probably gone through this a thousand times with other families, potentially. Yeah. He knows what it's like. And he's upset this whole process. People do things that they wouldn't normally do in stressful situations and when their life has changed. And I think he knows that Elizabeth is potentially that person. Plus, she doesn't look like somebody who's not going to be willing to pull that trigger. Right. She just exudes this, I'm a strong, independent woman oh, yeah. type and don't mess with me. Yeah. Whether he can outwit her is a different story. He doesn't know that yet. It's like Barbosa When we first... See her meeting Barbosa. She's standing up for herself pretty well. Oh, yeah. And takes command of the situation there. Doesn't turn out all that well for her at that point. But it's kind of the same thing going on here. So it's interesting that this gets back to some parallels, as we called it in the previous episode, heaving parallels between Curse of the Black Pearl and Dead Man's Chest yeah. in the way that they structure the film. Because it's interesting. There's that whole interaction with her and the villain in Curse of the Black Pearl where there's... And we're just talking about the upper hand and losing yeah. it and stuff. That's what's going on here. Right. She's confronting the villain. She has a gun to her face you th or his face. You think that she has the upper hand. Is that going to last? We don't know. It's the same thing that happened in The Curse of the Black Pearl. She had the upper hand with the medallion, going to drop it. And we see how that turned out. But it's interesting. There are a lot of parallels between right. it. She is much stronger here confronting Beckett than she was... Confronting Bar yeah, Barbosa. Yeah, she a lot she's of experience. She's more confident. She's more, you know, she's But she's fought skeleton here. pirates, basically. Well, that's true. And gone on this adventure. Fought her way all the way back to Port Royal after this craziness. So she knows. She knows what's going yeah, on. Yeah, she's just exuding the confidence here. And he knows that. He senses that. And he doesn't want to get a hole in his face. Right. That's why she Especially was glad. Especially since... Moved, he was glad when she moved it down a little. And, and he... <laughs> I think a lot of this is stuff we'll revisit tomorrow, or actually, I should say, Monday. on Monday, on Minute 30, because it wraps up a lot of this conversation. So I'll just let it go from there. Okay. But uh, otherwise, we'll end up into this whole territory of things that are happening in the next minute, and I don't necessarily want to do that. But I believe that she has that confidence. He knows it. And he stays calm, cool, and collected for a reason. He doesn't get all panicky. Because ultimately, in his mind, he knows he has the card to play. He has the ace in the hole. No matter what goes down here, he has that card and he's always going to come out on top. Right. And that's why I don't think he has anything to fear with her. He's in a, like, he feels like he's in this win-win situation. And there's nothing that can take that away from him at this particular moment. Yeah. So that's all I got for that. Okay. Did you want to move on to really bad eggs? Sounds good. 
Really Bad at Eggs is the weekly segment where we identify our favorite lines from the last five episodes. So what do you have for us? I have two. Can't have two. Yeah, I can. When Governor Swan tells Elizabeth to wait inside. Now, this just struck me. Women don't wait when you're told to <laughs> Ain't wait. Ain't that the truth? Yarr. They do what they want to do. That's a callback to Curse of the Black <laughs> Freaking Pearl. See? It is a callback uh-huh. to that. She doesn't wait. No, she doesn't wait. She doesn't, doesn't wait. stay where she's told to stay. No woman ever stays where she's supposed to stay. You got that right. So Not no that they're supposed even... to stay anywhere, ladies. <laughs> I'm no... just saying, in dangerous situations, <laughs> and I've experienced this firsthand, if you tell somebody to stay there just so you can check something out, they don't stay there to no. let you check something out. They got to be right there. And then you got to go, what the hell? I just told you to stay there. Yeah, but you didn't give me a, a good enough reason. So <laughs> this is the whole point. And this is where it becomes life lessons for all the young guys out there. And this is why it doesn't work in the movies. Because you can't just say, stay there without a reason. And I'm not just saying a short reason. You actually have to have an in-depth, long reason as to why she should stay there and not come follow and take a look. Or stay there and go see what's going on. But obviously, her not listening to her dad was the proper thing to do. That's the reality of this movie. Because otherwise, she would have been captured. That's true. In this situation, and it this is out why for the best. we don't listen when we're told to oh, stay. One out of wait. a thousand times. Yeah. Come on. Send all your hate mail to Heather. <laughs> Dangerous situation trying to protect. And there you go. Like I said, guys, you have to give the reason. You don't give the reason, it's not going to work. And I was just watching another movie, or maybe it was a TV show, where the same thing happened. Happens all the time. Women don't. Don't listen to the that. The guy runs in. It was okay. It was a. I was catching up on a show called Colony on Netflix, and this guy comes running. I'm not going to get into it with you guys, but the guy comes running in, says to his ex-wife and his daughter's there, "You got to pack up your stuff and get out of here as quickly as possible." Why? Why? The big movie trope. I'm not going to do it. You can't tell me what to do. Yeah, all hell broke loose <laughs> because she wouldn't just go. Because she needed the reason. The reason. It was a dire situation. And finally, he's like, I, we don't have time. He goes, I'm taking her. And he points to his daughter as this one person that gets to go along. And the ex-wife, he said, screw it. <laughs> <laughs> but he tried to warn her. But she needed the explanation. Well, we got to know. Got to know. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes you just got to do it. Nike style. <laughs> okay. Send, like I said, send all your hate mail to Heather. Just looking out for the best of the situation. And I know from firsthand experience that this does not work. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, really bad eggs. Not Kay. really bad life lessons. You got that Really right? bad advice. Really bad advice. Okay. My second one is when Elizabeth says, or else I would not still be here. When she's talking to Beckett and the letters of Mark aren't signed. And he says, well, they, aren't, they don't have my stamp of approval. Not that was approval. a nice Beckett voice there like you had there. <laughs> and she says, or also, I would not still be here if they did. So, yeah, she, yeah, she would yeah, have escaped yeah. with them. Got it? Know where we're at? I know where we're at. Oh, okay. Just making sure. Because this is a moment when Elizabeth hits a nerve with Beckett. This is when Beckett's emotion or his facial expressions actually change. And he actually knows that he's underestimated his chess pieces as he's been playing here. Mm-hmm. He should have estimated her. Uh, oh, you suck, dude. He should probably estimate them a little better. Too bad. I no, got it. No, you stole it. Didn't steal the joke. You're I so got it. rude. 
so confident and has the upper hand in this minute. This is where you start to see the cracks in Beckett's hard shell. Trying to remember his facial expression it changing. It slightly changes. He goes. Well, may, I mean, if he's starting to think, okay, she wouldn't have been sticking around. I mean, if he sees that she's calculating, which is like what I was saying too. I mean, then he's starting to say, okay, this is a adversary that is not just the run of the mill lady that I've come across before. Yeah. Or townsperson. Or somebody else that's a pawn in my game. Right. I can see that. I know we just talked about it. Sometimes it's nice when the quote comes from another minute that we just didn't talk about, though. That's true. I know. I like that. I mean, what can you do, though? I don't know. I think one of the more powerful quotes from the week is Beckett telling Elizabeth that no doubt you've discovered the loyalty is no longer the currency of the realm, as your father believes. I'm afraid currency is the currency of the realm. Well, it's a broken line, but they go together, so I cheated a bit. It's okay. Yeah, you took two lines, so I'll do that. Anyways, the quote is in opposition to the common phrase, a loyal servant to the British crown. It's interesting because this is such a well-known saying, a description of those who've pledged themselves above and beyond the service of the crown, protecting it, its sovereignty, the rule of power, and all that stuff that it exercises. For It's like the idea for king and country. Yeah. Even Americans during the Revolutionary War who remained faithful to Britain were called loyalists. It's an important component of the crown, of the British government. Yeah. Of the monarchy. Yeah, Beckett's statement flies in the face of that idea because I think this represents a shift from the king and country idea, the loyal servant to the crown, to, well, maybe it's something like loyal is good and all, but it's not going to get you anywhere. Yeah. Money and gold drive loyalty these days. Currency is the driving force at the helm. It's not necessarily the crown, but corporations, East India Company. Yeah. That's kind of what I get out of it. Yeah. Now it's... The idea it's for coin and country because even the crown is somewhat subservient to the company. A company wielding crazy power in this huge army that we talked about. The East India Company had a larger army and military than the United Kingdom, which is just crazy. Yeah. Loyalty only gets you so far. I mean, Beckett is such a man of his time and ahead of his time. And Governor Swan hasn't realized this yet. He hasn't kept up with the changing times. Mm-mm. Reminds me of another quote, one from... A favorite of mine. Last of the Mohicans. You call yourself a patriot and loyal subject to the crown? Hawkeye responds, I do not call myself subject too much at all. That's kind of what I get here. Not sure why Beckett's line reminded me of it so much. But it was always one that I remembered. And maybe it's the revolutionary in me. Yeah. But it's that whole notion of what it means to be a subject of the crown. Or a loyal servant to the crown. And this is what Beckett is really changing here. He's changing that idea of what that really means. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting. This, I know all our quotes came from pretty much this minute. This was such a great conversation between Beckett and Elizabeth. That it it outshined the rest of the minutes for this week. Oh, hell yeah, it did. So... And and that's why it's a bummer that it doesn't end with the whole scene. Yeah. And we have to break it up till Monday. Yep. That's why it is a bummer. So that's all I have for this week. That's it for me. I mean, we do need to let everyone know that we are making some schedule changes to the show. The format will still be the same, but it will provide a better opportunity to post bonus episodes and cover additional Pirates of the Caribbean topics a bit easier. Next week, we are moving to three days a week. Yeah, you heard it. Three days a week. Breaking things up from the grind of a daily cast to Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And like I said, it's the chance to fit bonus shows into the schedule a bit easier. And we're hoping that this move... Okay, we're not hoping. Well, we're hoping that you guys are okay with the move. But really, what this is going to do is it's going to allow us to drop that three to six month hiatus period when we're off the air. Yeah. 
now we can reduce all that and we won't disappear. And then we'll just kind of have year-round Pirates of the Caribbean talk. So I know not everyone will be happy out there, but I hope most of the people are. Especially since you'll have us all year round and not just a short burst yeah. throughout the year. And given that At World's End is 168 minutes long, that right there is over a year. Yep. Three days a week. So we'll be around. If you have any questions, hit us up on social media. Shoot us an email to podcast at blackpearlminute.com or even call the freaking pirate hotline at 8637pirate. So given that, we will be back on Monday, I guess. You ready to get yep. the hell out of here? Yep. So we're going to get the hell out of here. We'll be back on Monday with Minute 30 of Dead Man's Chest. Until then, scallywags, let's keep the horn swoggling and the flintlock in your face pointing to a minimum. That's in uh, honor of Elizabeth and Beckett. Yep. There we go. Why is the rum always gone? Well, you know, you drink it. And that's just the sad truth. We can't get enough rum here. <laughs> We can't even get sponsors for our show for a rum because you keep drinking all of it. They're like, we'll send you more. It's like, we can't send you anymore. You, you drink it all. We can't even be sponsors. You're, you're eating up all our advertising dollars. You've been listening to The Black Pearl Show, and we appreciate it, scallywags. Heather, I know you're still on pirate time and kicking back with the booze, but you may have noticed. Actually, who am I kidding? The only thing you've noticed lately is the inside of the Faithful Bride Tavern. Anyways, our procrastination has paid off yet again and season two is here and we are willfully unprepared. Maybe we can distract people with a Jack Sparrow wave of the hands and send people across that thing called the internet. Check us out on Facebook.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, Twitter.com slash Black Pearl Men, Instagram.com slash Black Pearl Show, soundcloud.com slash pirates of the caribbean that's for best of clips and by all means give us a plug and review on itunes we'd appreciate it mateys oh and let's not forget the facebook cursed crew listeners group for post episode discussions that's actually a lot to remember especially if you're in a foggy haze like heather just go to blackpearlshow.com and everything is there at the click of a button perhaps i should have just said that from the beginning This is a Shoutreach Media Production. Pirates don't need no stinking disclaimers, but just for fun. I think all you dirty, filthy bilge rats know that Disney and Bruckheimer Films have no affiliation with us at all, and we have none with those blooming cockroaches. We talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, which is their property, and all that other fun stuff. But I think it's obvious what's ours and what's theirs. There's no need to blur the lines or stir up a bloody rum-filled sweat. As for the music... That's with permission or licensed under Creative Commons. So let's give a shout out to Ross Bugden, Six Nail Coffin, and Tommy Wynn. The rest? Well, that's just me. Oh, and maybe Heather.